0: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We spend a lot of time talking on the show about education issues because I think that is a battleground that shapes the future. Our kids are the future and uh, I believe the education battle is a battle for our kids, for their minds and for their hearts. And so I wanted to bring on a guest from the Manhattan Institute. Her name is Nicole Garnett, and Nicole is a professor, a law professor at the University of Notre Dame. She has co-authored a book called Lost Classroom, Lost Community, Catholic Schools, Importance in Urban America, and a very interesting article right now on uh, the Manhattan Institute's website about accountability for parents as they evaluate private schools and with Ohio's Ed Choice program and the expansion of the Ed Choice program I thought she'd be a great resource for us because if you're a parent you want to make a very good choice in the school that you send your child to so Nicole thank you so much for your time I appreciate you coming on the show Thanks for having me So let's start with accountability it's a topic that I think makes a lot of parents nervous when they think about a private school because you know you're out of the public school going into a private school yet here's a government entity having some accountability standards. And you argue that that's not only necessary, but I think you argue that it's good. Tell me why you think it's necessary and why you think it's good.
1: Well, so I have to say before I do either of those things, um, I want to make clear that I don't think everything called accountability is good. Hmm. Much of it is bad. So um, I think it's important when we talk about holding schools accountable, particularly private schools, particularly faith-based schools, that we are talking about um, the right things, which is to, to make sure, particularly in a robust school choice environment, like Ohio, you have a great school choice environment. Um, we're making sure that parents have the information that they need to make good decisions for their kids. What what I don't think is accountability is, is um, are rules that subject schools to government control um, or that threaten the religious liberty or autonomy of the schools. Um, so those are things that get called accountability. That's not what I'm I'm really talking about when I say you know accountability is something we need to think about. You know most of debates uh, start with the you know the question should uh, parents be permitted to use public resources to send their kids to schools that aren't public schools? Should they be allowed to go to charter schools? Should they be allowed to send their kids to private and religious schools? And I've um, it's kind of been my life's work and to say yes that to be a part of the um, the, the movement to give uh, power to parents uh, to select the best kids, schools for their children, including religious schools. And, and I think the two overarching goals are, the first is um, to make sure that parents are armed with the information to be, to make decisions for their kids that make sure that they're picking the best schools for their children, based on whatever criteria matter to parents. If we give parents, that information then the parents not the government will be the ones holding schools accountable the whole point of parental choice is to hold schools accountable by allowing parents to exit or to enter so good schools will get more kids if we have a robust choice environment so it's important to to get that accountability calculus right because there are two inputs into a good school choice program one is parents making wise decisions and the second is good schools opting to participate
0: Yeah, certainly. That makes perfect sense to me. Our guest is Nicole Garnett. She has written a paper for the Manhattan Institute, Accountability and Private School Choice. You can find it at manhattan-institute.org. And I agree with you. I think the more programs, the more schools that are in the program that gives parents more choices, I'm all for that. But there is going to be, as you alluded to, a nervousness, I think particularly on the uh, front of religious schools having state oversight so you mentioned there are good features traits in accountability what are some of those good features good traits that you would be okay with what are some you'd be okay with that uh, preserve that autonomy that the schools want to have on religious liberty
1: Um, well it's a great question and I think I'll I'll say what I'm okay with and then what maybe a little bit about what I I get concerned about Um, the first thing is I, I argue in my paper um, that I, I'm actually okay with um, rules that require schools to be transparent about their academic performance. I, I oppose forcing private schools um, to take uh, the state test as a part of um, uh, participating, as a condition of participating in, in the private school choice program. The tests that the state the state designs are often states are often pegged to state curricular standards. And so this, the test at a private school, making them take a state test, may in fact affect what they have to teach in order to do well on the test.
0: Nicole Garnett is our guest, and her paper, Accountability and Private School Choice, is available for you to read free at manhattans-institute.org. You write in the paper that 2021 was the most successful year in the history of the private school choice movement. I hope that's the really good outcome of the pandemic. I think it's been driven by the pandemic and kids being forced to uh, virtual school and parents opposing that. Uh, But there's been a lot of damage done, of course, by kids being virtually schooled. Uh, There's a lot of pushback against from public schools. Columbus City Schools is against charter schools. Yet there's a charter school in the inner city that has a waiting list of a couple thousand kids. So parents in the inner city love that charter school. So how do you feel this is going to shake out, this battle between big public school systems, Columbus, Cincinnati, Cleveland? They've all joined a lawsuit against the expansion of the charter school and school choice movement in Ohio, and the Ohio legislature's attempt to expand that. They're all opposing this, and it seems to me like their consumers, if you will, are big supporters of charter schools and private schools that are subsidized somewhat by grants from the state.
1: Um, Politically— I mean, the wind is in the sails of school choice right now because, like you said, primarily because of COVID, parents were really fed up with public schools that refused to open, they remained virtual, while private schools um, and charter schools adapted. Uh, to enable kids to return to classrooms safely, so so we have this year alone three new states twenty one programs uh private school choice programs were enacted or expanded or improved, and three new states added and now thirty one states have um, private school choice, and forty four have charter schools um so so the political calculus right now I think very much favors uh private school choice. Um, But there are obviously powerful political forces that oppose private school choice, teachers unions, um, the public school advocate world. Um, And so there will be, I think, some rolling back, uh, particularly in the charter school world. And one concern I have about charter schools, the politics of charter schools isn't just, you know, efforts to stop their expansion, but efforts to bring them under public governmental, more governmental control, particularly the school district control. Um, I think that really threatens their autonomy. Um, so I, I, this is a, a big battle, um, and I think it will continue right now. I think the forces of school choice are, are prevailing, particularly in the private school choice world. Um, but I think um, and I think parents woke up during COVID. I'm a parent of four kids. I, I had to do e-learning. It was nightmarish. I'm not good at homeschooling. But parents did wake up to say, hey, wait a second. Uh, um, this school system isn't serving my kids well. Or, hey, I can I can do this homeschooling thing. Uh, why don't I have more choice in where I send my kids? Especially if the school system that is supposed to be educating them is still remote after 18 months. Uh, I think that was a real. It was a, it was kind of an awakening among parents in the United States.
0: I think you're right. Uh, final question for Nicole Garnett. She has written a very comprehensive paper. And I think it's not something to be afraid of, accountability for private schools. I think it does have a very uh, useful purpose for parents, accountability and private school choice. You'll find it at Manhattan-Institute.org. Nicole is a professor of law at Notre Dame, and she uh, has an undergrad from Stanford and a a law degree from Yale. So you've been exposed to uh, opinions that run against, I think, private schools. You've obviously heard about the DOJ uh, initiative against – parents threatening or intimidating school board members. I'm sure you're familiar with Terry McAuliffe, the Virginia Democratic governor candidate saying that, you know, he doesn't think parents should make choices on kids in school, uh, kids curriculum in schools. It's kind of interesting to me that we have this debate now uh, on whether parents should even be involved in kids schools. This is kind of surprising to me that someone would take that position. Is it surprising to you?
1: Um, well, surprising. So I, I would say like at a meta level, the idea that parents complaining and pro- protesting about their kids having to wear masks doesn't seem to me to be like the biggest um, crisis facing um, the United States. Uh, but so it's a little odd to me that this has been singled out as, you know, subject to some kind of particular scrutiny. Um, but and we should, keep, of course, remember that one of the first freedoms in the first amendment is the right to organize and petition for the redress of our grievances. So it's really important that parents have the liberty to speak up if they're upset about what's going on in their public schools. Um, and um, so, um, so I, I was, I was surprised, I guess a little bit by the school, the, the suggestion we're going to start investigating parents. I was kind of taken aback by that. Am I surprised um, that some public school administrators would prefer not to be scrutinized, no, I mean, that's been going on really for a long time, and that's one of the reasons that I am an advocate for parental choice. I, I think that if we really want parents to be able to have a say in the education of their ch- children in public schools in private schools and in charter schools, we have to give them choices um, because that's going to make the school systems more um, responsive to their demands, including public schools. So am I surprised that their school districts don't like people protesting at school boards? I suppose not. Um, Do I think that it's important that they be permitted to do so? I think it's critically important. It's great that parents have voices. Um, And I think one way that the government should enable parents to exercise that voice is through choice.
0: Well, I'm very glad that we have people monitoring this and proposing what I think are really smart ideas. And you've certainly done that in your paper, Accountability and Private School Choice. You'll find it at Manhattan-Institute.org. Nicole Garnett, thanks so much for your time today, Nicole, and thanks for your work.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So I filled up the uh, vehicle yesterday uh, with gas. Uh, I fill up about 75% of the time at my local Costco. Pretty close to where I live. I find their gas to be hmm, 10, 15 cents cheaper than everyone else's. Three o three yesterday at Costco. Three o three to fill my tank, $36. Typically, it's 20, 22 bucks thank you, Joe Biden. Now, I do not have natural gas heat, but if you do, guess what? You get to pay more for gas this year in the heating realm than you did last year. Thanks to, you got it, Joe Biden. Uh, Natural gas is the most common form of heat in Ohio. And if you didn't fill uh, your propane, well, propane uh, is a Big source of heat in the wintertime for many people in the rural areas. But, you know, Columbia Gas, mm, you are going to pay through the nose this winter. Price is as high as 30% more. 30% more. Propane, 54% more. And a 43% spike for heating oil. Uh, electricity, expected to see the smallest increase I have geothermal with heat strips. So hopefully, um, I know it doesn't make your pain go down any. Uh, Mine will not be as bad. Uh, The typical natural gas customer in the Midwest is expected to pay $818 this winter, up from $551. Last winter, about two-thirds of Ohio homes are heated by natural gas. Uh, Propane, as I said, the increase is going up Uh, Even more, Columbia Gas says, too hard to predict at this point what the higher prices for gas mean. For its $1.4 million customers, they are quick to tell you that they do not profit from the price of gas. They do offer some variable payment programs and level billing and things like that. But uh, has it ever been worse? Yeah, it's been worse a decade ago. Pretty much everything, if you're looking for a barometer on prices, pretty much everything goes back to, 2008, 2009, the aftermath of the uh, housing bubble bursting. But I don't know if your wages are going up at all. They're certainly not going up to keep up with the increase in prices. And I think I'm running out of fingers keeping track of Biden administration crises. We have the border. We have... Afghanistan and the alienation of our allies. We now have shipping. We have, oh yeah, Hunter Biden's laptop and the fact that he and Joe were sharing finances. Uh, We have a transportation secretary who's been on maternity leave with his gay husband for the last two months while shipping containers, a million of them, sit floating in the bay outside Long Beach or Los Angeles. Uh, We have Half of his party wanting to spend $3.5 trillion on top of the trillions we've already spent. And another half of his party that realizes uh, this is going to make inflation go even crazier than it's already going. Oh, by the way, there's inflation. That's another box to check on the list of awful Joe Biden actions since becoming president. At some point, do we... Acknowledge the possibility that it's hard to screw up everything unless you're trying to screw up everything, unless that's the end game, is to make everybody so desperate, so hopeless. I'd like to think that the Democrats don't hate us that much, don't hate our country that much, but I just don't see any evidence that they don't. So we need a little laugh. Now, I will say, I'm a fan of impressionists, not painters, speakers, people who can sound like other people. And as distinctive as Donald Trump was as president, I don't really think there's anybody who's nailed Donald Trump in terms of an impression. Now, I've not heard everybody. If you have somebody good, let me know. Bruce at 9890answer.com. I happen upon this. This is from a guy who doesn't even have a verified Twitter account. I don't think he's a certified comedian, but to me, he sounds just like the former president taking a tour of a grocery store in the aftermath of uh, the colossal failure of the Biden administration to get goods shipped to market.
1: Well, here we are in the supermarket. We're standing here with the bare shelves. Look at it. There's absolutely nothing here. The shelves are bare. It's empty. It's empty like Sleepy Joe's brain when you think about it. There's absolutely nothing on the shelf. Look at it. Bare shelves all over the place. They say we're building back better. And yet we have nothing in the supermarkets. We're standing with the bare shelves. Bare shelves, Biden, okay? Empty shelves, Joe.
0: It's a disgrace. That's pretty good. Aaron, what do you think of that guy? I think he's pretty good. It is good. Would you know that wasn't the president if I hadn't set it up as an impressionist? <laughs> oh, that's, that's it, close. It makes that's you close. go, well, is that him or is that not him? Oh, it's not him. I sort of miss him. Well, I more than sort of miss him. I definitely miss his policies. Uh, So anyway, that's where we are. Um, It's a scary time. But there have been other times. Here's the thing I would say. Uh, There have been many other times. Well, I don't know about many. There have been other times, isolated other times, in American history where things look bad. Uh, Jimmy Carter's presidency was an epic disaster. Uh, We were embarrassed on the international stage by the hostage crisis in Iran we had runaway inflation i mean runaway inflation housing loan costs were over 10% i know it's probably hard to believe because mortgage rates have been down around 3 4% for such a long time the first house i bought in 1989 My loan was below market. The person who sold me the house also carried the loan. He was a realtor. He had several properties. He carried the loan. It was 10%. That was my my interest rate annually. We're not going to get anywhere close to that, I don't think. But the Fed's got to do something to get prices under control because we just can't continue to pay the prices that we're paying because wages aren't going to come. Now we have unions going on strike. I heard this yesterday. What do you think a dock worker in california makes dock worker according to the daily wire dock workers in california make like hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year okay now i know the cost of living in la is crazy some of that is the cost of living but some of it is that that's mm, that highly specialized no some of that is crazy union contracts Now, my father was a member of a union for a long time. I was a member of a union for a long time. And I know unions have done a lot of good, but I know also unions can do a lot of bad. Uh, Joe Biden fancies himself a union guy, but to get control of this shipping situation, I think his unions are going to have to make some allowances, or the rest of us are just going to have to take it
1: Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.